knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, and it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So the first thing I want to share with you about Revelation has to do with everybody's revelation. We all have the revelation of Jesus as Savior. We'll all get that. But according to specific giftings and callings on your life, your revelation to you that God would reveal is pertinent to your call upon your life. And the, the call on your life is for serving others. So what God will reveal to you, what he will give you will be for the benefit of other people. Okay, it's not just about storing knowledge and so much of the church. Oh, my. Over the last few decades, we we become people with plenty of knowledge, but very little application. You know, we've got stacks and stacks of sermon notes. Uh, I've literally got hundreds and hundreds of books, you know, over the last 30 years, you know, four bookcases slapped full and then others in boxes because there's nowhere else to put them. And yes, and I've read them all. <laughs> um, it, but it, we don't want to be just become a collection of things, that God has a specific purpose. And what Paul is saying here in this passage is that the revelation that he has is specific to his calling. He says that this revelation came to him to reveal the mystery of Christ. And he talks about how God gives this revelation to apostles and prophets. It's not that the others do not get revelation. They do. They'll get revelation in accordance to their gift. A teacher will get teaching revelation. An evangelist will operate in the gifts of the spirit. Oftentimes, you know, for signs, wonders, and miracles, words of knowledge, things like that. And we see that uh, in Acts chapter eight with uh, Philip when he, when he goes to Samaria. Now you say, what about just me? I'm just, I'm just go to church. Well, you don't just go to church. There's no such thing as just going to church. What you, what you come for is to be built up. And what you come for is to have the application of what you're hearing revealed in your life. Because there are people that you minister to, whether you realize it or not. Whether it be in the workplace, whether it be in a school place, or whether it just be among family. But God will give you revelation. God will give you revelation about people. Uh, you know, family situations, how to deal with things. So it's always the revelation that he gives you while it is applied to you personally. The majority of the time is for the benefit of other people. So what I want to talk about, I laid all that out, is the source of revelation. Our source of revelation. And, and this is why I said this is going to be a more practical to application than anything else. Our source of revelation. Do you remember in the Old Testament... There was, there was Jacob, and Jacob was a dreamer. You remember that? Jacob had dreams. And then Jacob had sons. And one of the latter of his sons was named what? Joseph. And Joseph was the apple of his father's eye. Do you remember that? Joseph wore the favor of his father by exhibiting that coat of many colors. Now, his brother is much older than he was because the Bible says that he was a son of his old age. Now, here, here's the thing. I want to set this up because I'm going to talk about the source of revelation. Jacob loved Joseph 
probably more than the rest. And you say, well, I, you're not supposed to have favorites. I think probably everybody's got a favorite, but we just don't tell the rest of them. <laughs> That's a joke. You can laugh. It's all right. And um, so Joseph, being much younger than the rest of his brothers, often he would come back and he would tell his father what the brothers were doing. And the father loved Joseph because he was still young enough that he spent time with him in his old age. When people get older, they like their kids around. They want to, you know, have some time with them. But these other brothers, they were too busy, you know, working. They had their own families. They had their own lives. And they were just busy, busy, busy. Not unlike it is today. Everybody's busy, busy, busy. But see, here is the thing about what I'm going to get across to you is that Joseph enjoyed spending time with his father, and he made time for his father. The source of all revelation is your father. And I'm not talking about your earthly father. I'm talking about your heavenly father. And for us to have revelation, it's going to require that we spend time with the father. And and see, these are the things that you already know. And it's going to go zooming right over your head unless you grab a hold of what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to tell us. Because as we walk into these end times, you're going to need to know the wisdom and the knowledge of God. You're going to need to know what is God saying? What is God doing? What about my situation? If things in the world continue to digress as they are today, and I'm talking about wars and rumors of war, um, money from nations just being lost, bailouts, all of these things. And I want you to know that that America is headed for the same slide. There is no way around it. The, The trillions of dollars that we are in debt, we're owned by China. And you say, well, that don't bother me. I don't care. It it should bother you because when things get to a certain place in America, it is quite possible banks are going to be closed. Your cash isn't going to be any good. What are you going to do then? You see, now is the time to learn to hear the voice of the Father and press in and to spend time with Him. Okay. Uh, let me give you an example. I know somebody that needs a job, and they need a job really bad. And they got all the time in the world right now because they don't have a job. But, you know, they want a job. And what they need to be doing right now is praying and spending this time in prayer seeking God regarding a job. Because to know God is to know the revelation that you will need in a job for a job or all about a job. But if we've got that time right now, he's got the time. He's got the time right now, but isn't taking advantage of it. Um, my, my own spiritual father told me just about three months ago when I took a little sabbatical, as many of you know, and I didn't do anything for three months. And, and I think that's a good thing. And I'm going to show you some more f- further in Scripture about that that is a necessary thing that you need to spend time alone with God. But my spiritual father told me this. He said, you need to take advantage of this time. You need to spend time in the word of God and you need to spend time in prayer. He said, because this is where God's going to give you the revelation, the downloads for what is coming and for the ministry that is ahead. All of us are in ministry in one way or another, every one of us. And to receive the downloads for what's ahead of us because when times get 
compressed in and we will have little time to seek his face because we're all going to be so busy ministering and serving. So now is the time to press in. Now is the time to get, get close to God. I want you to go ahead and start my, my music, please. Yeah, go ahead and start it. Because this is just one of those messages that I knew tonight I was going to need my music and I was going to need it early. And this is what I love about the Holy Spirit. Because when I was praying this afternoon, the Lord said to me, have your music, have it ready early. And that's too loud. <laughs> lower, 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 quieter, quieter. Okay, I can deal with that. I don't want to have to talk over myself. What? If we have the opportunity now to seek God, if, we, if you have the opportunity to be in his presence now, then now is the time we need to be seeking him. You say, but I'm not a preacher. It doesn't matter if you're a preacher. If you are a lover of God, if you are a lover of the Father, now is the time to press in to get to know him like you've never known him before. Because he has, he has specific revelation for you. God has been trying to get many of us our attention for years and decades and decades. God has things that he has laid up, stored up just for us. And we're missing it because we're not taking the time to spend in the Father's presence. You know, one of the weeks we looked at the revelation, we have to come to the Lord as a little child. And just like Joseph would wanted to spend time with his own father, we have to keep that childlike faith and just want to press into the things of God. Are you with me? There are some, there are some things that many of us need to get rid of in our lives and we don't even know what it is. But God will show us what it is. You know, sometimes we just have too many people around us. I got an amen over here. Can I get one in the back? Sometimes you have too many people telling you too many things. I believe in counsel, but I believe in wise counsel. And I only have two or three people that I feel close enough to that I would seek their advice and seek their counsel. Sometimes, I want you to, I want you to go, I'm going to show you something. You say, I don't know about that. Go with me to Genesis chapter 13. I just want to read this for you. Turn it down just a little more. In Genesis 13, verse number 14. That's good, thanks. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, look, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Now let me see. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had left him, God spoke to Abram, who is Abraham, becomes Abraham, after Lot had left. You see, God couldn't speak to him as long as Lot was there. You want to know why? Lot's very name means covering. It means veil. Somehow this individual whose name means veil, whose name means a covering, was hindering Abraham from hearing from God. 
And, it, and, the, and God arranged it so that they became so wealthy, they had so much stuff, so many cows, you know, and, and so many workers that the land could not contain them. So they had to separate one from another. And when they separated, that's when God spoke. Sometimes people have to get out of your life for God to speak to you. You say, why? Because you're being influenced perhaps the wrong way. Perhaps they're carrying a veil that you don't even see in the spiritual realm. You see, we're talking about spiritual things. To, to understand the things of the Spirit, then we need to know how to press in and what is it around here that is keeping me from hearing God. Has anybody ever had problems hearing from God? I have. But often when you become in a desperate place where you have to seek him, that's when you hear him. But we shouldn't have to wait till we get in a desperate place to go seek God. I mean, you know as well as I do, people get in trouble and then they want to seek God. And most of the time, it's not that they would have quit the trouble. It's just because they got caught in trouble. Right? And so now I need to seek God. I need help. Pastor, pastor, help me, help me. And if they'd never got caught, they would probably still be doing the same thing. Lot had to leave. God wants to speak to us, and I'm not saying this is true of everybody, but you need to examine the people of influence that are around you and just ask the Lord, is there somebody that is speaking into my life that is keeping me from hearing you? You say, I just don't know that God would do that. Oh, yes, he would. Yes, he would. You see, the, the busier we become, and I wanna, what I'm about to get into is just service for people that are in ministry. That the busier we become in ministry, the more we need those times alone with God. You will have to set it up. You will have to make time. We got time for everything else. I'm telling you, I, two, two of the biggest things that keep not just men of God, but them as well, and women of God, two of the biggest hindrances to keeping us from having time to press into God, number one is your phone. Hello. Can't live without it. If we lose it, we go crazy. Somebody's texting. And the other thing is Facebook. I know more people spend more time on Facebook than they do in the Word of God. It was a, you know, I get up in the morning, God speaks to me, and I'll put a quick post on there. And it, 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 Facebook can be a service or it can be a detriment. And, and for most people, it's just some place to go gripe. <laughs> Amen. We have to make the time. We have to separate ourselves. We have to seek after the Lord. Jesus made time with his Father. And this is what I'm going to say. If Jesus himself, who was the Son of God, if he had to have required private time, how much more do we? We could get some things done in the realm of the Spirit If we just took the time, you want revelation. How do you get the revelation from God? By spending time with him, by spending time in his word. 
I, I said this a week or so ago that, you know, ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you want to know something from His Word, meditate on it. Get in it. Read it. Think about it. Revelation is available to everybody. The thing is, are you just hungry enough to, to, to receive it? I'm going to read you out of the book of Luke. I'm going to give you several passages here of Jesus himself taking the time to spend with the Father. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. It says, However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. They came to hear and they came to be healed. Verse 16 says, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Often went into the wilderness and prayed. Chapter 6. When, when he was going to select his apostles, he needed wisdom. He needed revelation from the Father. Verse 12 of chapter 6 says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. How about that? Chapter 9, verse 10. This is after he had sent the 12 out on a ministry trip. And you see, people don't realize that when you minister, you, you're giving yourself out. You're giving out physically. You're giving out spiritually. You're giving out mentally. Uh, you know, most pastors I know, or, you know, they take Mondays off just from being drained on Sunday. And it is, it is absolutely true. I mean, Monday is my worst day of the week as far as just feeling physical, you know, from uh, ministering on Sunday nights. I mean, it's just a drain. It's very draining. I just want to lay around. <laughs> I don't feel like doing anything because you give out so much. See, people who think, well, preachers don't do anything. They, they don't do anything. You have no idea <laughs> what preachers do unless you, unless you is one. <laughs> <laughs> then you know exactly what's going on. So he had sent them out. And when they came back in verse 10, it says, and the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. Then he, Jesus, took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. And even there they found him. There's another time that Jesus, he finishes feeding the 4,000 people. And he sends his disciples across the lake. But it says he himself went up to the mountain to pray. Remember? Jesus always took the time to get away to pray. Prayer is essential. Prayer is imperative. Prayer is fellowship. Prayer is not wasted words. Prayer is not throwing up some Hail Mary pass and hope somebody catches it. Prayer is fellowship. Prayer is intimacy. Prayer comes from a desire to be with the one you love. Joseph loved the time with his father, Jacob. And Jacob loved the time that Joseph spent. And that's just a beautiful example of when we come into the father's presence. Do you understand that the father is anticipating, expecting? He cannot wait to see you, so to speak. He has things that he wants to tell you. He has things that he wants to reveal to you. See, I'm not so much preaching tonight as I'm just going to talk to you. And I want us to see that 
there is value in this. And I don't want you to look at it, well, this was just a wasted Wednesday night. Because everything about revelation and advancing the kingdom of God, and that's what the theme is, that it hinges upon this one thing. You can take all of the notes down that you want, and you can apply the notes, but without the source of revelation, of intimacy with God, it's all in vain. Then we've just been through four weeks of information. And I don't want information. I want revelation. I want intimacy with God. I want to be in his presence. You say, I just want to do signs, wonders, and miracles. Me too, but it come out of his presence. You remember in Acts chapter 5, where Peter was so clothed in the power of God that they would just bring people out and lay them in the street so that he would walk by, that he was carrying such a glory, such a presence, that when they got near him, they were healed. You see, he's not the exception to the rule. He's the example. He's our example. That if we spend this kind of time, if we, you say, how do you know he spent time? I'll tell you how I know he spent time. It's in Acts chapter 6. He tells us. There was a situation that, uh, that arose by these widows, these Greek-speaking widows. And, and this is what they decided to do. The apostles said, look, we don't have time to wait on tables. We don't have time to, you know, to, to feed everybody. You choose somebody else to do that. And this is what they said. That they were going to, he said, it is not, hang on, I'll just read it. Not wise for us, not good for us that we waste this kind of time is the paraphrase. He says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. But we, we the apostles, we will give ourselves continually to prayer. Does the Bible not say pray always? It's not just, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, you know. Then the next morning, you sit down and you look at the breakfast and you're so asleep, you just kind of say it in your head. God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. Amen. That's not intimacy. But this is what I do now. I know that there is so much more that God wants to reveal to you and I. I know that he wants to take us to an, a new place, a new place of intimacy and revelation with him. Uh, we, we've got to come to the place. You see, we, he's not far off up in the heavens. He, we are not separated by a great gulf. He is within you. And it's not so much looking up there as looking in here. He's closer than a brother. He can't get any closer than inside of you. You are now the temple of the Lord. You are a walking worship center. And our, our mouth should be giving praise to the Lord. You know, I dealt with this one time before, but I'm, I'm just going to mention it on that specific verse that I just read to you. But we will give ourselves continually to the word and, and to prayer. That in the Greek, there is the definite article in front of that. And they say, we will give ourselves to the prayer. Not just prayer, but it was the, the prayer. What was he talking about? He was talking about speaking in tongues, the prayer. And you see, why else has the enemy fought praying in tongues so much? Because it is so valuable to the individual, is so valuable to the kingdom. But unless you employ it, you will never know it. 
The people who get the greatest revelations. The people who walk in the strongest power of God. Who see more miracles, more healings. Are the people who pray much in the spirit. John G. Lake was a man that prayed continuously in the spirit. And in the early 1900s. In Washington State, they had verified and documented over a 10-year period over 100,000 healings and miracles at their healing centers. But he prayed much in the Spirit. You've heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Smith Wigglesworth was a, a mighty man of God. He didn't even, he didn't even go into ministry till he was 48 years old. 48 when he started. But he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The only book he ever read was the Bible. It was the only book he could read. He was illiterate. But God gave him the ability to read the Word of God. So he read the Bible. He stayed in the Word of God and he prayed much in the Spirit. You can read some of his writings. He talks about how much he prays in the Spirit. So prayer... I I don't even have enough adjectives or words to say to emphasize how important it is and how how strong it is for us to to be in this position and to be in this place so that the revelation will come. Okay, I've driven that point as hard as I can drive it, and I still fall short on it. I, I, I feel totally inadequate tonight trying to give you the the crux of this source of revelation. I'll give you an example. Revelation. You see, you you have to know, especially if you're called in ministry, you have to know what you're called to do. You have to know what function that you operate in. And then you have to have the access to that revelation for that gifting to the body of Christ. I'll give you an example. Every minister is not the same. Though in America, everybody thinks they are. This is the truth. Everybody thinks everybody's a pastor. Everybody's not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm an apostle. And I didn't know I was an apostle because in my denomination, we didn't have apostles. So I didn't know I was. It took years. It took, you know, I guess I'm a slow learner, but it, it, it was two years and three different people, older, much older than I, two apostles and one prophet spoke to me and they told me what my calling was, but I still didn't get it. I st- it took me two years to get it, to understand it. The revelation was there. Two apostles had spoke it over me. One prophet had prophesied it to me and I still didn't get it. See, you can have the word presented to you and you still miss it. I was not spending the amount of time that was required in the presence of God in those days that would open my ears and my spirit to comprehend that. Oh, yeah, I'm an apostle. What's an apostle? (laughs) What does an apostle do? People love titles. You know that? People like titles. Everybody wants to be an apostle today. They just, they're just, I see them everywhere. 
They, they, they're, it's like they graduate from, well, I used to be pastor, but now I'm an apostle. Well, I mean, I was a pastor for years, but it was only because I didn't know I was an apostle. I didn't know I could be. So there is a progressive revelation. You were doing a function, but you were never called to that function. You said, well, I was doing a pastoral work, but I, it's not what I was called and anointed to do. Okay. Okay, so with the emphasis on everybody assumes that every preacher is the same. Everybody's a pastor. And we all know, we have the understanding that they're not. They're gifted in different ways. Okay, with that said, here, here in Acts chapter 8, Philip, who is an evangelist, he goes to Samaria, and he has signs, wonders, and miracles. Because they carry signs, wonders, and miracles, as well as apostles. 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Okay, so here he is in Samaria, and there is a sorcerer there. He is a wizard, and he has convinced everybody in that place that he has the real power of God. Isn't that interesting? If there's no other reason that we need revelation, is we need revelation for this alone so we can spot the, the wolves in sheep's clothing. Not everybody that fills a pulpit is who and what they say they are. This sorcerer, Simon, he sees the miracles. He sees what is the display of power, and he wants it. So the Bible says that, quote, unquote, he got saved too. He went to be baptized, all right, because they baptized him. Now, the difference between Philip the evangelist and Peter and John is about to be revealed in that same passage. But we've read it, we've read it, we've read it, and we've read it, and we just didn't take the face value of what it said. See, if the Bible says that he, he was born again or he got you know, baptized, we, we believe it. But that's what he thought. Can I read this to you? I, I, I want to make this absolutely perfectly clear. Okie dokie. <laughs> but there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was and he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs were done. He believed, but it did not say that he believed in Jesus. Now watch this. Philip is an evangelist. Philip's job is to get people saved. Evangelists keep records of how many people got saved in their last crusade. Amen? Simon got added to the role. Now watch what happens. When the apostles come in with a different revelation. And when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard this, 
heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had not fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hand, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone whom I let may lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. You, you see, witch doctors, warlocks in, in the dark realm, they will buy their gifts from another witch or warlock. And that happens all the time in Africa. I've heard it. I've been there. Okay. He says, give me this power. power. But Peter, verse 20, says, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You, now, listen to what he says to him. Peter has a revelation. Peter sees by the Spirit, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps... The thought of your heart may be forgiven you. This is what he said. For I see, for I see, see, revelation. For I see that you're poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. You are bound by darkness. You're bound by wickedness. Now, how could he be bound by wickedness if he was born again and become a new creation? Couldn't be. Amen? He couldn't be. You just sometimes you have to add logic to revelation. You have to take it for what it says. It appeared as though he believed. And it recorded that. He was baptized. He got in line with all the rest of them. <laughs> you see? But when the apostles come in with a, a greater revelation because of his gifting, than for, and diverse from what Philip has as an evangelist, he sees very clearly this man is not even saved. He's a pretender. Do you want to know what he literally says? You know what, Peter? I mean, you have, I'm going to take, now you will have more than an idea how strong Peter was in enforcing this. When the Bible says, you and your money perish with you, there, there, there's only one translation in the English that, that took it for face value and put it in English because the translators in America, we, we all, we're all real nice people over here, you know. We don't want to offend anybody from the pulpit. But what it literally says was, to hell with you and your money. And that's what the J.B. Phillips translation uses. That's what it says. He says, to hell with you and your money. That's how strong it was. That you have no part, you have no portion within this. How did, how, did, how did he have that? Because he spent time with God. He spent time with the Father. Revelation was upon him. I'm not going to go long. I'm going to quit in just a minute because I'm basically, I'm done. Uh, in Acts chapter 16, there is a young lady who is possessed by a spirit of divination. You know, fortune teller. And you say, well, they just make up stuff. Well, what with these spirits that possess these people, they do have information. And you, you're just pretending if you think they don't. They do have information. They can get information. You see, there's a spiritual realm here. 
And if all we do as Christians is, is live in the natural realm, then we'll never understand what is available in the spiritual realm. It's out there. The best way I can give you an example of this, several years ago, I was watching this program, and the Lord told me to watch it for a week, and I, for the life, this is like in the late 90s, I could not figure out why in the world the Lord wanted me to watch this. But I learned something. I was opinionated, and I got my opinion changed. I watched a man by the name of Edwards, something Edwards, psychic. He did this show, and he would call out people by name and tell them different stuff about it. And as I was watching him, I think it's John Edwards, I think that's what his name And I was watching him. By Wednesday and Thursday, I'm looking at him, how he's doing it. I'm thinking, this is the same way I get words of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. But he's getting it from a familiar spirit. And this is what the Lord taught me. He said, the information is in the spirit realm. It's there. It's all dependent upon how it is accessed. If it is accessed by the Holy Spirit, then the revelation is from God and it is holy. But if it is accessed by a familiar spirit, then it is wrong. We are not to seek after familiar spirits. I don't know if I said this to y'all last week, but I'm going to say it again. You you see, some people didn't say, well, I don't even believe there are any such thing as witches. And and there is so many ridiculous witch shows on television, all about the dark side, vampires, werewolves, all of these things. This is not some figment of somebody's imagination. This stuff is out there. It's real. And the church has chosen to turn a blind eye to it. We have taken a religious stance rather than a relational stance with the Lord to ask him what is going on. Um, In the Old Testament, the Bible says, do not suffer a witch to live. If there was no such thing as a witch, why would God say, do not suffer a witch to live? Hello. If God believes in witches... (laughs) It's the church ought to wake up. It's real. And they're blinding the people in the church because they don't have a revelation. Because they do not spend time in the presence of God. They're simply relying week in and week out on whomever is standing behind the pulpit to give them all of their information that for that week. This is spiritually feeding babies in high chairs. You come in for your dose once a week. When you should be feeding yourself all week long. Amen? Amen. They have true information. So here's this little damsel, this little, and this is what she said. She said, she's announcing to the city, these men are from the most high God explaining to us the way of salvation. That was true. But it was coming through an impure source. But it was true. The revelation was there. She got it. Finally, Paul got so tired of it. Three days later, he turns around and and in the name of Jesus come out of her. He just got tired. Now, we need that kind of power. How is it that Paul can just turn around and just speak it and it happened? How? Because he prayed much in the spirit. He said in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he said, I pray more than all of you. So when do you do this? You can do it all the time. 
driving a car. Turn the radio off. Forget that old song that says, turn the radio on. No, turn the radio off. <laughs> and you'll get far more information with it off than with it on. Okay, I'm going to close with this. When in um, 2009, I was in Lagos, Nigeria. I had went over there and spent a week with a, a prophet by the name of T.B. Joshua. Uh, I had first heard about this man of God and had watched him uh, over the Internet, and I had just seen such astounding miracles and healings and deliverances. And I knew I wanted to go over there and get some of that, (laughs) you know. Because, see, if you hang out with anointed people, that anointing will get on you. That's why people have hands laid on them. The only deal is, I, I learned this the hard way too, is that you can keep it for a while, but unless your lifestyle is equal to their lifestyle or greater, you're not going to keep it. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> so this is what happened. You know, there's like 10,000 people in church on Sunday. And we went to church, I think we... I, you know, from the, the room I was in, it was like a t- in a compound, and it started like about seven o'clock that morning and didn't end till five o'clock that evening. Uh, because I was a guest from the USA, they did take me out for lunch about one o'clock and brought me back in. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to go. I said, no, I, I, I don't want. That. But there was other people, you know, other guests, and you know, they were ready to eat. I, I thought I, I didn't fly all these thousands of miles to miss it. This is what I came to be in. Anyway, there was a, a group, there was a church from South Africa there. And apparently pretty much of all of the members, the pastor was there. There was other members that were there. There was a youth pastor that was there, a lady that was a youth pastor. And in the middle of the preaching, the man of God, he's, he comes out and he just starts walking just like this. And he's looking and, he, and he's going down the aisle. And he gets to this one seat, the youth pastor of that church, a woman, and he turns to her and says, you are a witch. And she manifested. And she just started hissing and growling at him. Now, I'm going to tell you who was the most shocked. It was the pastor and his wife. Boy, that would mess you up, would it not? Well, she got delivered, but, I mean, there was a a display that was there. Now, just think. Here is somebody that was hidden in in the youth ministry, the the youth pastor leader, and they were on assignment. You see, people don't realize that, that these people come into our fellowships on purpose. They're given an assignment, an agenda. They call themselves agents of Satan. And they're sent in to do one thing, divide the church and destroy it. And so this woman, after she was delivered, he asked her some questions about what, how did you get here? What do you do? And she said, that. she said, this was my assignment. My assignment was to come here to this church and see that it was destroyed by whatever means necessary. What about that? 
And she told about some of the stuff that she was doing. I mean, in, in the midst. Now, okay. I'm sure that pastor was, had to be somewhat embarrassed that how he didn't know this or understand this. Now, the prophet had a higher level of gifting than the pastor. Sorry, just the way it works. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, Paul said, And in the church, God has placed these first. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Pastors are very loving. They're very kind. And they don't want to be offensive to anyone. They want to make everybody happy. Make everybody feel good. So when church people see an apostle or a prophet say things that their pastor has never said, then they think something is wrong because their pastor has never displayed that. He cannot. It is not his gifting. It is not his calling. It is not his anointing. It is not his revelation. Ephesians 2, he says that the foundation of the church, the foundation of revelation was given to apostles and prophets. Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone. So there, is a, there are levels of revelation, but all revelation comes directly from the source, and the source is the Father. The source is the Holy Spirit. The source is Jesus. You have to go to the source. You have to spend time in the source for revelation. Now, oh, me. I, you see, th- this is where I'm feeling right now. I'm, I'm feeling this within me. I'm feeling frustrated because I feel like I'm not getting this point across. I'm not driving it home. I feel like that it's just kind of filling time until this is over. What I want it to do, I want it to get inside of you and own you and possess you until you're only satisfied of being in his presence above everything else. Spending time in the Father's presence. Amen. Okay. When the music's through, that means my 45 minutes is up, but I'm through. I'm going to tell you this. Here's another honest thing. I'm trying to use personal examples that I've had to drive this, the whole thing of this home. And trust me, you don't want to miss next week. Next week, there's going to be anything like this. But even next week, it has to build out of this. It has to build from it. When I was pastoring at the, the church in Dallas, Georgia, I mean, we were in the height of revival and spending time, you know, literally day and night in the presence of God, going to meetings that, were, that would go on five, six hours in the morning, another four or five hours at night. You know, this, this was with Rodney Howard Brown in, in the 90s. And so one Sunday night, I was standing in the pulpit, and I, it, it's like I heard so much. It, I had so much information coming to me. I, it, it's like my brain was full all the time. And it was full so much, it was like, I want to break from this. And I made a statement that I wished I had never made. And I said, somebody asked me, this: how do you hear all of this stuff? And I said from the pulpit, there are times I wish I did not hear all of this stuff. 
Because some of this stuff wasn't nice <laughs> that I was hearing. And I want you to know the Lord lifted it. He lifted it for years. And I'd get words of knowledge here and there. I'd get bits of revelation here and there. He, he showed me what it would be like without revelation knowledge, without being in his presence, without words of, words of knowledge. You know, people that, you see the thing again, we go back, it, it's for ministry. It, everything that God gives you is for other people. Well, thank the Lord, he, he accepted my cry for forgiveness. And I learned my lesson. So I'm going to give a closing prayer, and I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Mark. But I want, to, um, I want to pray for that spirit of revelation. I want to pray even as, as Paul said in Ephesians 1. And I'm just going to read some of that as we pray. So, Father, in your mighty name, I thank you that you are the source of all our revelation. You are our hope. You are the revealer of truth. You tell us things that we would not know in any other way. So I ask you that this night, that there would be a release from heaven and that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. Let the eyes of understanding be enlightened this night, that you and everyone in here would know what is the hope of their calling and what is the riches of the glory that the saints have inherited. And what is the exceeding greatness of your power that belongs to us? I ask you that in the name of Jesus, that Christ himself would dwell within us with grounded in love, that we would be able to understand and comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know, to experience the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And Lord, unto you, you alone are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or all that we think according to the power that works within us. And I thank you in Jesus' name that this night a spirit of wisdom and revelation is being released to us. I thank you, Lord, it is coming in seed form right now. But as we marinate it, as we water it, it will grow and produce a great harvest. In Jesus' name. Amen.